Hello, dance teachers. Welcome to the Dance to Learn podcast, the preschool dance teachers podcast. My name is Jessica Strong, and I'm your host. In today's episode, we are talking all about books and how you can utilize books in your classroom. And the best person that I thought of that could be my special guest today is Terrell from Once Upon a Dance. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, uh, Dance to Learn podcast listeners. My name is Jessica Strong, and I am the host of the Preschool Dance Teachers podcast. And on the podcast, we answer your questions on teaching preschool dance. Today, I am here with a special guest. Uh, I'm here with uh, Terrell from Once Upon a Dance, and we are answering a user question all about incorporating books into our dance classes. So I'm gonna turn it over to you and share uh, what you guys do at Once Upon a Dance. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Um, So my daughter and I created Once Upon a Dance during the pandemic, trying to keep kids who are stuck at home, moving at home. And we were gonna make one book and we just kept going. So we have 25 dance and movement books now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really lovely. And I wish that I had had them when I was teaching dance. I basically made the things that I looked for when I started teaching dance, uh, 25, almost years ago. Um, mm-hmm. so they're, yeah, they're just, um, really beautiful and they helped me get out of bed during COVID because I stopped teaching, of course, with the rest of the world and I'm in Washington. So I still, we still have mask requirements here and we're not um, really out of our houses that much. We're still kind of locked down a little bit. So sure. yeah. Well, that's great. I love that you guys did that. Um, I mean, I feel like I can relate a little bit because my mom and I, we partnered together to write three children's books. Um, so we wrote the Flory Flamingo stories. Um, and I kind of did it the, for the same reasons. I wanted to have um, I wanted to have a little character that I could help my dancers learn like ballet terminology. So we have Flory Flamingo's ABCs of dance. And then I was like, I want to write a book to help my dancers get used to their first ballet class. So then we wrote Flory's first ballet class. And then, um, our first book was called Flory's Frozen Adventure. And, uh, that was just more of a winter, cute winter time a story. So I don't have nearly as many books as you do, but um, it's it's nice to be able to incorporate stories into our dance classes. And that's really what this user question is about today is uh, how can we do that? I always use stories in my classes too. So I was always finding, I still have, I still have two shelves full of, um, of just stuff I used in dance, in dance class, like not even the, I have a separate shelves for all the learning stuff that I, you know, researched and activities and things like that. But I have a lot of books that I would use in class um, because they were really effective. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what ages did you teach when you were? I taught um, everything from, Mm -hmm. I taught pre-walking. So I did like some baby classes and things like that and all the way up. And then um, I have this, um, they call themselves the pink tights gang. And they're all, they're all over 80, I think at this point. And I'm not like, I'm not teaching them, but I actually still get together with them. They get together like almost every month now, Um, even though we're not doing classes. 
yeah. So they started with me as um, beginners when they were in their seventies or so. And yeah, so they were really fun, fun group. Um, cool. So I love yeah, that I awesome. did the whole spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I love that. Yeah. Um, is there, why don't you explain? Cause I think your books are pretty cool. I have looked at them on Amazon and you guys do some, some fun uh, movement activities incorporated yeah. with the story. So why don't you explain kind of how that works? Uh, sure. Um, so we have, we have kind of four series, really. We have a Dance It Out, which is the bulk of the books and, and the ones I kind of love the most, I guess, and that I keep making more of um, because they're just so fun. And they're these whimsical stories. And, you know, I think, I feel like a lot of books right now aren't coming out with just stories and like fun. It's all, you know, all very message driven. And mm -hmm. our stories do have like positive messages in, in them and they have, um, but they're a little more subtle and there's still that like fun actual story that happens. Um, and those are illustrated so that so you could enjoy them just as a story. And then there are Kenora photos and instructions for movement. If you want to use those, they're just an option, or you could just use your imagination and come up with your own thing. And of yeah. course, teachers, you know, wouldn't need to to look at that second part at all. And then we have a Dancing Shapes book, which is more for independent kids. Um, there are four and one more coming in that. And that's about kind of like just dancing at home. It was very pandemic inspired. Um, so there's a little mini ballet lesson in each. And then it's a lot about Kenora's journey and her path. At that point, she was not a professional dancer. She was still trying to get a job. So it's a lot about where she was and there's one just about Nutcracker and how she did 25 different roles for five different companies. Um, so it's a little bit of a backstage tour almost on her life yeah. as she, uh, you know, as she, as she chased her dreams really um, mm -hmm. kind of all over the, all over the U S and then we have another one that is uh, more for eight to 12 year olds and even adults enjoy that one. And it's um, super deep dive into some aspect of dance posture, or, I'm sorry, of dance technique. So we have a posture book called Dance Dance, and we have another one coming out um, later this year called Falling Into Dance. It's actually all about falling and, and a lot of different ways that I, um, just even about like, like letting your hip fall. So there's a lot of play on that falling into dance and a little bit about Kenora and then a little bit about technique. And, and there's all, you know, a lot about kind of having a good attitude and a lot of good, mm -hmm. nice messages and things like that. In it. And then there'll be some, a turning book and a jumping book later in that. And then we have another one kind of coming on the lower end, um, coming out in the, in probably April or May. Um, that is a prop based story. And I've got another oh. one in the works. We've got one with a scarf and one with a parachute. But those aren't out yet. Those are still in okay. in production. So yeah. yeah. And then we've got journals and I have another teaching book. I made, um, <laughs> I know we have so many things. I made, I used to print pictures out on the internet of dance shapes that I wanted to use in my dance classes. Yeah. And I'd always uh -huh. cut off the feet because um, they were all the beautiful shapes were in Toshu. So I'd give the, the yeah. kids all these. So I basically made like that with, um, you know, without, with actually flat shoes. So a lot of different shapes that people can use. And, and it's meant, the book is meant to be, um, you cut the pages out. So, yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Cool. That's fun. Yeah. I love all of that. Um, <laughs> thank well, thank you for, thank you for sharing and thank you for being here. Um, so let's get into this listener question. So this is actually an anonymous uh, listener and their question 
is uh, we briefly use books and visuals in our parent taught classes to help with a concept and to move the class along. Recently in a dancing dinosaur themed week, we danced out the rhymes in Sandra Boynton's dancing dinosaur book. As a side note, in our preschool age classes, we spend a little more time discussing and talking about what happens in the book, but for parent taught, it's a max of a minute or two without connecting it to movement. Anyway, long story short, this parent has decided to unenroll her daughter for the upcoming session. She says this teacher was treating the class more like story time than dance class, and it's definitely not the case. And all of us who teach this class follow the same structure and plans. Which brings me to my question, how do you educate the parents about how books, visuals, and non-movement activities benefit the dancing and the learning? I'd love to hear your take. So I saw this question, of course, I immediately thought of you as the perfect partner, being also somebody who loves books and incorporating books and movement. Um, yeah, I, so, yeah, I definitely want to talk about this and help this listener sort of educate her her parents on the importance of dancing and literature and all of that. I think it's a great question. So I'd love to hear your thoughts first and then. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. I don't know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But um, so first of all, I would have spent way less time. I did the same thing. I wanted every student to like have such a good time and every parent and I would change what I did, um, you know, just trying to engage or find whatever they that kid wanted. So I was, I was really invested in everyone succeeding. And if I had to go back and do it all again, I would not do that. I would, you know, maybe suggest other activities for that child that the class clearly wasn't working for and not change my entire class because it clearly worked for, I've taught thousands of kids. It clearly worked for the majority. And I would have spent a lot less time focusing on, on those kids, on those very few kids that didn't engage for whatever reason. And then also like some of the parent you know, things that I, that I did trying to make um, parents happy. So that's number one, A is like, <laughs> don't even worry about it. Right. Like, so I like, yeah. could just like cut the podcast here. Like, you know, my yep. advice is just let, let that parent go. Let it go. <laughs> Here's another place. Here's another dance style. And if, you know, if you are familiar with the resources, like if you know that there's another, like more, you know, traditional class or whatever, you know, let them know, like, it's fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. find the best fit for your child and for your families or whatever. Like, it's okay to let one go. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's number one. Sure. <laughs> and number two, or not is, I guess, um, you know, just um, looking at all of the, the messages that we give kids. And I've really thought a lot about this after even after I started writing, Um, I thought about how media portrays dancers and how, you know, I, I wanted, I, this is really important work to me because I wanted to change the narrative a little bit that I was exposed to growing up. Mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, the power that we have to provide examples of self-care and um, so just like even the concept of rest it's just really mm-hmm. valuable. And I, I, I didn't do that in my classes, honestly, I was go, go, go. You know, we were always like, I would transition to a different prop. Like if people needed a break, like that was, the, it was just go, go, go. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and I, now looking back, I recognize the value of, you know, of any kind of self-care that we do that we model for our students. So I think it's really good. 
And that if you can have a connection like with a mom and me where you're actually like reading a story and they're sitting in a lab, like how nice mm-hmm. and how comforting that is for that child, yeah. you know, have that moment. Um, and I think people are doing more of that too, even in, you know, ballet schools. Like I know Allison um, Tilton, who is, you know, famous and she was a principal and she was posting yeah. um, the mandatory snack break for her kids on Instagram, you know, and how she's, she's making everyone eat and take care of themselves. So there's a lot of that just like, and then of course there's the whole three is like, just, you know, the way different kids learn. And some of them, like my kid was definitely like a sit on the sidelines for like six months, maybe until she would actually get up and have the nerve. Ironically, she was very shy and very slow to participate. So just having those moments of quiet, it can be really helpful for kids to to kind of get all their senses, um, calm down and soak it all in, um, and really help them to get ready to engage. Mm-hmm. Sure. So those are, those are three, three of the big ones. And then I could even keep going on, yeah. um, you know, some of the different things you learn through. So I took my, I actually wrote up a whole page on this. I took my least dance technical book. And I went through and I wrote up all the different things that you were learning in it. Um, so even in this book that I consider the least dancey book, and it was just like, wow, like when I actually looked at it and started writing down all the things that it was actually teaching you that I hadn't even thought about. It was, I was just like, wow, like it was, it was kind of amazing. So anyway, I don't, I don't know. And yeah. I do love Sanders. I love Sandra Boyton. I love all of her books. I used to use them in my classes. I loved all of her music. I used to, we used to listen to it just as a family. Um, even when my kids were older, really enjoyed all that stuff. Yeah. I love all I'm, that. I'm going to stop talking. About you. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. <laughs> you're totally fine. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that about your daughter, because I was the exact same way. I, when I first started dancing, I just kind of sat there and had to watch for a while before I, uh, participated. Um, and I was, yeah, the same way, but then I took to dance and just kind of never stopped and and here I am still going and still teaching. So yeah, yeah. I think maybe it's just a ballerina thing. I don't know. <laughs> maybe <laughs> where we are. Um, but, but yeah, so my thought when I was reading this, I think, I think it is super important as dance teachers that we are educating our students, but I do think educating parents is equally as important. Um, and I'm a big, I'm a big believer in sharing expectations. You know, what can they expect from my dance classes? How might my dance classes be different from somebody else's dance classes? You know, because dance to learn, we do things. Everything is all about the story and the experience, and it's themed and it's concepts and it's. And some people, you walk into a dance class and it's just learning steps, and maybe they don't include any of that. So. Yeah. For me, when it comes to like educating parents or giving them expectations, we sort of I've created sort of a nurturing system Um, and it's all through like emails. We have frequently asked questions. What can you expect from our dance classes? What makes us different? Um, peek inside a class. What does a dance to learn class look like? And I give parents all of these opportunities to get to know us before, before they even come in. And then usually, hopefully that will 
eliminate those people that are like, well, I don't want to sit through a story time. So maybe then they won't even enroll. And then we don't right. have to yeah. worry about letting them go, <laughs> you know, like that's, maybe that's we can, a great point. Yeah. Maybe we can eliminate those families before they even come in, assuming that people read and, you know, actually engage with your material before, before they come into your, into your program. Um, but that was one suggestion that I thought might be good for this dance teacher is to have, if they don't already, um, to have like a frequently asked questions. And maybe that could be one of them. Uh, like I noticed, I don't know how often they incorporate books, but I've noticed that uh, once a month we incorporate a book into our classes and here's the why, why we do that. Um, and then the parents can kind of be prepared for that ahead of time. Um, I don't know. I just think it's it's valuable to set those expectations like up front, you know. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, Communication. It's a great okay. idea. Yeah. And even yeah. like a little video or something that just mm -hmm. showed like, you know, here are the things we do do in our classes so that they get a feel for it and it, they can see the you know the setup isn't isn't little kids holding holding bars and and doing right. full bar exercises if that's expectation yeah yeah <laughs> and that's yeah that maybe they want a more structured ballet class where that's what they were looking for and if that's not the studio then they'll know ahead of time that it's not it's not a right fit so I think just really knowing who your studio is and being, you know, comfortable with who you are versus what their expectations are. Um, I think yeah. would probably be number, number one. And then I don't know, I don't know how, um, how you incorporated your stories into dance. I know for me, when I, when I bring out Flory Flamingo, which isn't super often, I think I have two, well, I have three lesson plans for each book. And so I guess I bring her out about three times a year. Um, and really, if I bring out any story, I'm, I love Eric Carl stories. I bring his stories into my classroom all the time. He's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I use the book throughout the whole class. Um, so what I do is I'll read a page and I'll pick a warm up um, to do on that page, whether it's breathing or tactile or whatever warm up we're doing. And so we'll warm up first and then, you know, we'll stand up and I'll and I'll pick a page and I'll read through the whole class. So we're not just kind of sitting and being static, because to me, I'm like, well, I'm still teaching a dance class, so I want to incorporate the book like throughout the class. So I don't want it to be where we're just sitting and reading. Um, Cause I don't know, I think for, especially for my younger kids, they would lose focus. So I want to keep them moving as much as I, as I can throughout the mm -hmm. class. Um, and so I don't know, like, I don't know how they had it set up if that's how they did it, or if it was just, we're going to read this story and then we're going to dance. Like, I don't know what their, um, what the story time was, was like. you know, yeah. um, it sounds like your books, like if I were to bring one of your books into my class, that it would sort of be set up the same way where we would read something. And then there's a movement activity that goes with that part of the story. Is that how you guys have your story structured? 
The, the books that I have are more, are more, you don't sit down at all. You just, yeah. you just move throughout the entire things. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, sorry, one other thing I wanted to go back really quick, just is, um, it's letting, it's letting parents into the class and also having mommy me or parent and me caregiver and me, um, classes, um, is a great way to just like kind of get everyone on board and they can see, you know, when they see the joy mm-hmm. that the kids have and how much fun it is and how, engaged instructors are when they're actually inside the class and moving around and um you know that can be really positive so anyway um yeah I would also actually a lot of the books I used you know and it varies by age so for my twos and my ones I would have them you know sit and we would look at really shorter stories and that was part of the Mm -hmm. you know it was an hour class so for two-year-olds like I thought that was really important and I would use that as a break Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be usually be, it would be a story every week and it would be in the middle of class and it would be a movement concept, but it would be, you know, this is, this is our break because yeah. two and they needed a break. Um, so yeah, it really depended on the age, but then, um, for any, for most of the older things, older kids, I was only doing things that we were actually moving, um, yeah. around and maybe I would show, you know, come and look at the picture or whatever. And then we would disperse and move around in space. Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. I like, for me, like even just thinking about, I think, cause she asked about the benefits and I think there's a lot of benefits to bringing literature into the dance class. I think when we involve our entire bodies in something, you know, if we're reading a story, let's say a big reason why kids don't read or have trouble reading or they're not interested in reading is because they can't comprehend what, what they're reading. And so they become uninterested. Like if you don't understand what you're reading, why would you want to keep reading? Like that sounds, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to read a book if I couldn't understand what I was reading. I'd put that book away and say, okay, I'm not reading that one on to the next one. And I think um, when we involve our whole bodies and we start like moving and dancing and uh, at the same time, the benefit there is that the child's going to comprehend what they're learning and what they're reading a lot better. And so Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think if they, if this listener were to concentrate on educating the parents on the benefits of incorporating books and literature into the dance class, that would probably be, um, that would probably be a big, a big benefit for for the child um to really move get their whole body involved and now they're going to be excited about reading um you know whether it's a dinosaur book or any other book that they interact with later on as they get older um because I remember when I went to school (laughs) in elementary school I don't know maybe they still do this, but I remember we'd have to read a chapter book and we would just sit in our desks and each student would read, we'd have to read three sentences out loud for the whole class. Um, and we just kind of cycle through. I just remember it was always so boring to me and we'd sit <laughs> like read, you know, I mean, maybe the books were interesting, but like, and just school in general, just sitting there in a desk all day you know, like it's not an optimal way to learn. I don't think, I think we definitely mm-hmm. incorporate more movement, but I, 
But I don't know, maybe you know of other benefits too that she could promote um, or educate uh, parents on why, like why dance and why reading? Why are those two things so important to put together? What are What are your thoughts on that? Um, so for me, you know, it was always a way to, to push their, their movement, to push their attention span, um, and get more out of them. And the stories were always the kids' favorites. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of my, so the dance it out series is a lot of stuff that I did in my classes and I would bring new stories in all the time, um, just for us to move to. And so, you know, it's an engaging thing that the kids, it was literally their favorite every time always. And they always wanted to revisit the stories. And I'd be like, but I made this, I stayed up until two making this new story for you, you know? And they were like, can we do the one we did last week? Um, so it was just so enjoyable. And, you know, you're learning as, you know, not that they're all going to be professional dancers, but they're, you're learning, you're always telling a story with your body, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and to incorporate that, um, early on is, is a great lesson that you're, that you're, you know, you're doing more than just the steps. There's, there's motivation and there is meaning to them and purpose. And, you know, when you, if you've ever watched, so you think you can dance or mm-hmm. um, world of dance or any of that, the judges are always like, you have to have a story. Like you can't just do the moves. You have to like have meaning and find purpose. Like that's the thing the judges always say. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just, just teaching them a different, a different aspect and using it in different ways, of course, it's going to engage their brains in different ways. And, Using multi senses, um, is, you know, we know that's good for yeah. development. I mean, of course, and thinking about movement in a different way is always so helpful. You know, we are, we all as dance teachers, we use all the Im- imagery. You know, we're talking about our peacock backs, or you know, our all the right, all the things mm-hmm. zipping, yeah. and when we make sounds, and we're like, you know, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. so. You know, as, as dance as dancers and dance teachers, we're just we're doing that constantly, always with the imagery. Um, so there's there's so many benefits there, and um, I can't remember the other thing I was going to say. So yeah, oh, yeah no <laughs> I know that I I always have an idea, and then I get thinking on on something else, and I go, oh, I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, but I do have one more question because you had mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, in the podcast, um, how would you, how would you differentiate incorporating, uh, stories for different ages? Cause I think that was an interesting point, uh, like a two-year-old versus maybe your older students, uh, the two-year-olds, obviously I, I do have one creative dance class that's an hour and it's for ages two to five, I think that I teach. And it, the only reason it's an hour is it coordinates with the parent workout class. So all the mommies go work out for an hour. Nice. And, yes. and normally for that age, I would only do 45 minutes. So, um, I, there were a couple classes where I was like, uh, an hour is just too long and I need to do something. And so I'd bring in yeah. a story and we wouldn't dance the story. I would just use it as we're just going to read the story and then it would incorporate into whatever 
like we did a teddy bear picnic and we read the teddy bear picnic story and then we danced out a teddy bear picnic. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm interested to know how you would incorporate your uh, stories for four different age groups or if it would maybe it would be the same. Maybe it, it wouldn't change. Yeah, it would definitely change. Yeah. Like I said, the for the twos, I would definitely use it as a, as a, you know, as a rest and a break time. And, um, you know, another, just another aspect of the class almost like, you know, we're going to do like a 40 minute class. And then this is just bonus in case, you know, just so you're getting there and you're connecting. And it was a way to connect with the parent and the, and the, or the caregiver or whoever it was to, you know, to, to do things. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, I, so I use stories all the way up until age eight, I would say. Mm-hmm. So my classes until age eight and, you know, we would, those were more complicated and the, ser- my dance it out series does have, you know, it starts really very basic with um, almost no dance terminology. Some of the books don't have any terminology, but there are dance concepts in them. And then it goes all the way up to like, you know, you're doing, you're doing a story with, with um, vocabulary so all the moves are named, you know, they're ballet steps. So yeah. there's certainly a, a broad range of, you know, we're just doing, we're focused on movement and some of maybe that, you know, the cross lateral or, or whatever, mm-hmm. or the head to tail, or, you know, so there are a lot of different elements or weight shift or balance. Um, and sure. you can, you know, it, it was really helpful for me to just write down to go through that book. So for these, this teacher that was having trouble to go through that book and, and write down everything that you know that it was actually teaching it was it was the weight shift and the like it was like a you know um there's a there's climbing the ladder so it was like mm-hmm. and then there's like PA with um you know putting your your butt out or whatever and like keeping sure. your bottom in you know so those things are actually like you're actually thinking about plies later even though we're not doing plies right now we're just thinking about like the body structure so um yeah I would just encourage them to like go through and actually write down everything that they're learning. And, you know, like I said, I was surprised by how many things you really are learning when you, when you sit down and think about it, what, what is it that you're doing, whether it's, you know, I'm just promoting sleep, like, you know, and as, as I have a son who has, who didn't really take, he's better now, but he didn't take care of himself. And it was really hard just to get him to sleep. So like, even just promoting the idea of like sleep is welcome, like taking a nap, you know, and we're, we're taking care of ourselves and, you know, or even just like brushing your teeth in a book, like it's self-care and talking about like, you know, dancers have like a lot of problems with self-care. Like I know a lot of kids who are, you know, maybe in like treatment facilities right now, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, so that's just, you know, a really valuable thing. And then, um, you know, even just turning your head, you're isolating the movement or you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're shrugging your shoulders, you're actually lifting your shoulders up, you're coordinating your arms, your palms are up. So there's a lot of movement and direction there, even when you're not even thinking about it. So you're just shrugging your shoulders and you're like, what happened and you're doing it's a coordinated movement it's a lift you know so maybe and maybe there's like a breath component or whatever um yeah uh, so yeah oh and then yeah and then moving on into the upper things it was a lot of vocabulary a lot of technical stuff you know you're you're remembering the names of movement um so yeah so yeah even the books so I have a, a couple books for the six to nine year olds in that series and it's very vocabulary based um, and just a lot of different movements. So, yeah, no, I love that. I think, I think 
hopefully we've given our listener some ideas. I'm going to recap real fast sort of the things that we talked about. Like number one, and I do think that this is important. And it's funny because I was just talking about this on our last podcast episode, how as dance teachers, I feel like we're more empathetic like beings. And I think that um, because sure. that, yeah. we, tend to, <laughs> we tend to feel more like guilty if people maybe don't like what we're doing or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I never like it when a, when a family is like, this isn't for us. So we're going to withdraw or whatever. It's never fun. Cause then you sort of feel like you feel all this weight and this guilt and I'm doing something wrong. And really it just yeah. wasn't a right fit, you know, like yes. it just wasn't the right fit. And so yes. I do think that your first point of just letting it go, not focusing too much on it. Like somebody said something one time, cause when I first started my mobile program, I had a really hard time anytime I had to let a teacher go if they just weren't what I was looking for. And I heard mm-hmm. this phrase one time that they can go and be blessed somewhere else. And that's just really resonating. <laughs> like, yes. like there's no hard feelings. They can, they're going to be more blessed somewhere else. I can't bless them the way that they want to be blessed. <laughs> so um, like that phrase has really stuck with me. So anytime I have to let somebody go or something doesn't work out, I just tell myself that it makes me feel a little bit better. Like I'm also going to be more blessed without, (laughs) without this family. So, um, you know, if it's, and also you might, and also you might be, you know, um, nipping in the bud, something's going to be a problem for years and they're going to spread, you know, dis, um, whatever the word is unhappiness throughout your studio. And maybe like, as they connect with more parents, it's not going to be a good situation. So just by like getting rid of that now, you might be saving yourself years of frustration. Yeah. 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 And so I think uh, where where we can help maybe eliminate that, we talked about setting those. Are you okay? My cat is sneezing like crazy. Oh, <laughs> that's why I was like, you were talking and I'm going like this. I'm like, what is he <laughs> doing over there? Are you okay? I think he's okay. Um, anyway, sorry, squirrel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think setting those expectations, like we talked about frequently asked questions, what does it look like? Why do we use the props that we use, including books? I consider a book, a prop, you know, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a tool that we're bringing in to enhance our classes. Um, so why do we use books as props? Why do we use parachutes as props? I think anything like that where we can educate our parents beforehand is really good. Um, and then, you know, really researching the benefits of combining dance and literature um, and some of those things we talked about as far as, you know, using books to teach terminology in dance. You know, like I have a book that does that. It sounds like you have several books that do that. It's really important that we know our terminology. And I think reading, especially with like younger kids and giving them a cute character to look at, you know, it's just going to help them remember, um, remember that terminology. And then, of course, reading comprehension, I think, in my opinion, is like a big reason why I like to incorporate uh, books in my classes because I I am a big believer that if we're 
if every part of our being is involved in learning something, we're more likely to remember it and retain it and things like that. So um, I think those things were really important. Um, and then anything else that you want to add before wrapping up this this episode? No, just keep doing the doing the fun and doing the good work, you know. Yeah. And you know, just focus on those kids that you come back, <clears throat> excuse me, year after year. And if you, you know, if you've got retention and and repeat customers, then you're doing something right, right? I mean, yeah. as a parent, I, I, you know, I was, I would not sign my kid up for something again if it wasn't something that they enjoyed and that I was seeing benefit too. So, just, yeah. just know that in your heart. Yeah, and I think this teacher. It's so easy to go, oh, they didn't like what I'm doing, so let me change it. No, I think the most important thing is just keep doing what you believe and what's true to you. Maybe not everybody will love it, and they can just go be blessed somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. So, you know. Um, I like that. I like that. Like, yeah. it's, it's just... It's just how it is. You can't please everyone. Um, I think that's a really good note to end on. But before I let you go, I just want you to share where can people find you if you have a website, social media? I know your books are on Amazon, but if there's any other place they can find your books, I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can find you. Thanks so much. Um, so we have onceuponadance.com and also dancestories.com. Okay. And then if you just want to look at the creative movement stories, um, the dance it out creative movement stories, that's creativemovementstories.com. And I'm on uh, Instagram and TikTok as once underscore upon a dance, or you can just search once upon a dance and I'll probably come up. And um, on Facebook, I am um, <laughs> once, once upon a dance viral dancing on okay. Facebook. And then books, you can find at Amazon and uh, any local bookstore. If you go online, you should be able to find our books. The author name is Once Upon a Dance and um, and bookshop.org also can help you out and help you find your indie bookstore. Give them credit um, your, for your local bookstore. So thank you so much for having me. It was fun, yeah. to, fun to see you. I love following all of your wonderful content. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And I wish, I so wish you had been around and all these wonderful yeah. face groups that, um, you know, that you help admin, um, to, uh, I would have just had so much fun, just, you know, sharing all of this journey with you, um, yeah. you know, years ago, back when I started. So anyway, all these teachers today are so lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I know. I think we're in a very lucky time where there's so much information for everyone to sort of collect and gather because I definitely didn't have it when I was first <laughs> starting yeah. out so it's, it is nice well I will definitely post all of your links and everything so people can go follow you and find you um, and hopefully purchase your stories I think that's uh, everybody should definitely at least have one if not more in their <laughs> thank you um, and if I could one last question um if you could recommend one book as like this book is in your opinion, the best one for maybe a preschool dance teacher out of your stories, mm -hmm. which one? So I really loved, um, sometimes I dance mountains and it's by okay. bird Baylor. Um, I, you know, I, I, I did this book recently and I'm not sure you can, 
it, uh, it's not readily available, but that was one of, that was my favorite when I was teaching. And I, and I had that one, you know, I would, one other thing I would do is I would always, uh, like if there was a story, I liked, I would actually type it onto a Word doc and then just mm-hmm. use it so I could read it. And I had that one with music and I had it all, you know, really laid out. Um, it was really nice. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that one was super fun. I liked um, the Bill T. Jones. I think it's just called dance. Um, that was nice for pictures and, but, but just, you know, variety, like kids like variety, kids like new stuff and it's good mm-hmm. to expose them. Even if they don't, even if they're like, can we read what we did last time? It's good to expose them to new things. So yeah, just having a lot of things is fun yeah. too. For sure. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today and everyone. Um, if you visit the preschool dance teachers podcast.com. You will see today's show notes uh, on our website. And if you have a question, uh, you can always reach out to me Uh, on our website. There is an ask Jessica, Jessica tab where you can fill out a form. You can remain anonymous. I know that's important for some of us. uh, So you do not have to say who you are or who your dance studio is. But I love inviting new guests onto the podcast so we can help you guys uh, brainstorm and figure out tips and ideas to enhance your preschool dance classes. Um, and if you have trouble on the website, you can always just send me an email, podcast at dancetolearn.co. But thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time. And we will see everybody on an upcoming episode. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, everyone. Happy dancing. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. You can share your opinions and feedback on today's topics on our social media pages. Just search the Preschool Dance Teachers Podcast. The Dance to Learn Podcast airs every other Thursday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. If you are struggling in your preschool dance classes and would like tips and advice, you can ask Jessica by visiting the preschool dance teachers podcast.com and clicking ask Jessica and your question may be addressed on the air. If you're enjoying the new podcast format, let us know by leaving a five-star review. See you next time. Happy dancing.